Welcome to Fet Unlocked, where we, you guessed it, unlock Fet. This is a relationship, kink, BDSM, and sex podcast where we discuss things from money and the lifestyle to whatever else you kinky fuckers might want to hear about. So today I want to talk about codependency in the lifestyle. I was just reading um, Codependent No More by Melody Beattie, um, How to Stop Controlling Others and Start Caring for Yourself. And I became really, really interested in this idea of codependency specifically in the lifestyle, given the fact that when we are in dominant, submissive relationships, when we are in power exchange and authority transfer relationships when we're in these kinds of relationships there's a certain amount of codependency almost baked in to these dynamics right on the other hand codependency itself is a learned behavioral pattern and usually that's due to being raised with a particular upbringing that wasn't necessarily healthy emotionally um Individuals who are codependent generally only feel a sense of stability and self-esteem when they are doing everything that they can and giving everything that they can and that they have, um, really allowing their partner's needs and desires to supersede their own. So this cycle usually, you know, results in patterns of either emotionally or even physically abusive relationships, which would be built around that entire lack of boundaries, that low self-esteem on the part of both individuals. So the term codependency was actually originally coined in the 1950s by Alcoholics Anonymous. This is something that Miss Beattie talks about where it was a means to describe relationships where partners of individuals with substance abuse disorders became just inextricably linked and enmeshed in the lives of the people that they care about. Their own identity is completely intertwined and in some cases they have no identity outside of the other person of whom they take care all the time um this could also be you know considered enmeshment uh but codependency has definitely evolved to encompass much more than just an alcoholic's relationship with their romantic partner or other caregiver so let's think about how this ends up working in a power exchange dynamic in an authority transfer dynamic obviously we don't necessarily have data around kinky people who have codependent tendencies not to mention the fact that Codependency has a lot of different definitions all over the world. But let's go into a couple different examples. 
So you're a D type, a dom, a master, a dominant, um, whatever the case may be, you're on the left side of the slash. You've agreed to be play partners with an S type or a person on the right side of the slash. But somehow, without necessarily your consent, without necessarily your enthusiastic agreement, you're in a dynamic that expects much more of you as a dominant than you were expecting. And you're not quite sure how to have that conversation. You realize that as a D-type, you do take on the bulk of the responsibility in the relationship for the safety, both emotional and physical, of your submissive, of your S-type, of your right side of the slasher. However, something about this seems to go beyond that. Now, when you do try to bring up this you know, pretty difficult topic of conversation, your submissive, your S-type, your right side of the slasher is unable to give you a satisfactory answer as to how things got to where they are. Um, You argue. There's no resolution over and over again. So your thinking might be all of the love, all of the care, all of the dedication, all of the ritual, all of the attention to detail that you provide in order to maintain the dynamic will pay off in the end. And so you'd rather just go ahead and be in the relationship in the dynamic and handle it all but sometimes really deep down you're resentful and the guilt is crushing now this is an example of a submissive who is expecting their dominant to provide everything that they need to be emotionally stable to be physically stable to be mentally stable while actually contributing very little to the overall health of the relationship and dynamic that is codependency and you might say oh but they obey their left-siders rules rituals protocols but outside of that what else are they providing what else are they bringing to the table and i really hate to say bringing to the table but (laughs) what else are they bringing to the table if a person does not understand the emotional and mental consequences of expecting someone to be their lover, their psychiatrist, their psychologist, their therapist, their sounding board, their domestic partner, their co-parent, 
if any of those are applicable or not. Then there might be something a little wrong there. And there might be somewhat of an imbalance there. In relationships, we're each supposed to be giving 100%. And what does that mean in the context of kink? What does it mean to give 100%? And that's why it's so important to pay attention not just to the dynamic itself, but to the relationship during a check-in. And this is something I learned from personal experience where I focused more on the dynamic than on the relationship. And that ended up biting me in the ass. So within the context of kink, it's a dangerous mindset for a partner to have that they're focusing on the dynamic, but not necessarily on the relationship. Because that means that they're not necessarily understanding the consequences on their partner of their actions and their expectations. So let's look into another scenario here. Maybe you're an S-type, you're on the right side of the slash, and that's because you've always been a people pleaser. You've always wanted to make people happy. You've always wanted to be the helper, the peacekeeper, the peacemaker, and you're happiest when you do things that make other people happy. But for some time, Maybe you've been feeling like you have to be super careful. You have to maybe even walk around on eggshells around your left side of the slasher, your M-type, your D-type. You're always censoring yourself. You're constantly on guard. You're declining invitations from friends and families to go out to parties or events because... Maybe you won't get a a, a verbal no, maybe you won't get verbal disapproval, but maybe you'll get the silent treatment. Maybe you'll get some kind of non-verbal cue that makes it clear that that's not a desired behavior. You're being conditioned in a way. Every time you might have some kind of social thing happening, your left side of the slasher, your D-type, your M-type, might convince you that you need to be alone together to work on your relationship, to work on your dynamic, to obey them, to serve them. Let's take this even a step further. Maybe during a scene, your D-type tried to renegotiate a hard limit of yours. Hmm. During a scene, your D-type tried to renegotiate a hard limit of yours. You remind your D-type, your M-type, your left side of the slasher, that it's a hard limit. And they give you nonverbal cues that they are unhappy with this. 
not only is that a consent violation, but even if you said yes after that, that would be coercive, which in and of itself would be a whole other consent violation. But now let's focus on your feelings. You wish you hadn't said anything. You wish you had gone along with it in order to make your D-type, your M-type, your left side of the slasher happy. Saying yes makes you feel stable and safe and happy and like you won't be abandoned, even though you did not enjoy what happened because it was what? A hard limit. And so one of the interesting things about this is that when we in the BDSM community in the scene discuss consent violation, usually we're, you're, we're thinking, we're talking about pickup play, we're talking about play partners, but what about committed long-term relationships and dynamics? Codependent people are at a much higher risk of allowing consent violations than someone who has stronger boundaries and a strong sense of self along with self-confidence. So thinking about the importance Thinking about the importance of mitigating the risk of codependency, especially in these long-term committed relationships. We have to recognize that if we have a history of codependency, Or if our partner has a history of codependency, engaging in power power dynamics, authority transfer, in any context or permutation, does pose a real risk, both emotionally and physically, for both partners. And it's important here to practice rack and prick. Rack is risk-aware, consensual kink, and prick is personally responsible, informed, consensual kink. And we need to remember how important it is to simply avail oneself of support networks it is so so important that you rely on others outside of your dynamic so let's go back to just what codependency is right this psychological concept which is often referenced in the context of relationships these days because i gave you kind of the history of it, right? Where it was coined in the 1950s through Alcoholics Anonymous. 
Originally established within that framework of addiction study, this term has expanded over time to encapsulate a wider array of harmful dynamics such as excessive clinginess, low self-esteem, or an extreme need for approval from your partner. And I want you to sit and think, do you have or do you experience a need for excessive clinginess, low self-esteem, or an extreme need for approval from your partner, or vice versa. Now, in the realm of power exchange dynamics, it calls for a deeper, deeper understanding of how power, consent, and codependency interplay with one another. So let's take this back a few steps. Power exchange dynamics refer to relationships where there is an agreed upon imbalance of power. For instance, with MS, master-slave relationships, what might often happen is something called authority transfer. Let's say that I trust someone so much that I would give them all of my bank account numbers, all of my bank account information, my credit card information, all of it. They get all of it. And in exchange, they now have the responsibility. They now have the responsibility to take care of the finances in the household. With that information, they now have power. Now, let's say in another MS dynamic, I still trust that person, that master, enough to give them all of that authority, but they transfer 80% of authority back to me. So this is an interplay of authority transfer. Then let's say in a DS dynamic, I as a submissive choose to give over, let's say 60 or 70% of authority or power. So it's a power exchange. So one person, often referred to as the left side of the slasher, the dominant, the master, holds power over the other, who might be called the submissive, the slave, the right side of the slasher. This power dynamic is mutually consented to and can vary in intensity and formality, as I said before, ranging from casual play, pickup play, at a party for a night, maybe a femdom event, to a full-time 24-7 TPE, TPE stands for Total Power Exchange Arrangement. So in these dynamics, the exchange of power is often symbolically ritualized and forms the backbone of the relationship. So trust, communication, respect, and consent are foundational principles in these relationships because a submissive is handing over a portion of their autonomy to the dominant. Due to the accumulation of power on one side, there can be potential, great potential, as we mentioned with the risk factors from earlier, if someone has a history of a tough upbringing, if someone has a a non-secure attachment style, for the development of overly dependent behavior resembling or being codependency. So 
the risk of codependency and power exchange dynamics is that it can erode the foundational principles I mentioned earlier, notably consent. For instance, with the second scenario that I brought up, a usually vibrant and consensual power exchange can blur into a very, very harmful cycle where the submissive partner feels a compulsion to perpetually please the dominant, even at great personal expense. Simultaneously, a dominant might exploit this over-dependency for their own gratification, which evolves the relationship into a form of manipulation and control beyond pre-established consent. And of course, the risk on the other side of things that I also mentioned earlier is that the submissive evades accountability because, ooh, well, I'm just a submissive. I don't have power in this dynamic, even though they are the ones who seem to need constant care and are super needy and seem to be draining the dominant or left side of the slasher. So in codependent power exchange relationships, an unhealthy attachment arises when the submissive begins to derive their very own self-worth solely from the role they play, experiencing significant distress when set dynamics are disturbed. In severe cases, a submissive's identity may dissolve into the DS relationship entirely, leading to corrosive actions that might harm mental, emotional, and sometimes physical well-being. Um, this is not apocryphal, unfortunately. I'm aware of at least two instances where outside of the consent of the or or the agreed upon negotiations between the dominant and the submissive there was an inability to orgasm for the submissive after the end of a particular power exchange dynamic this is on at least two occasions with two different submissives that i know who were not consenting to that possibility due to the fact that they had been convinced to essentially rely sexually solely for gratification on the dominant. Not allowed to masturbate, in chastity otherwise, and other kinds of conditioning. And of course, with mutually agreed upon consent, that can be, you know, hot. I, I'm, I'm into blood play. So it, everyone has their thing. Everyone has their kink. When it falls outside of mutually agreed upon negotiation and, and pre-negotiation, that does not, to me, seem to fall into the categories of either rack, risk-aware, consensual kink, or prick personally responsible, informed, consensual kink. So on the other side, the dominant might become excessively reliant on the power exchange with their identity and self-esteem heavily tied to the control they exert. This situation can fuel a determination to maintain the established dynamic at all costs. Pushing the boundaries of those foundational principles 
consent, and mutual respect. Despite these potential pitfalls, it's crucial to note that codependency is not an inevitable outcome of power exchange dynamics. The key lies in balancing dependence with independence, creating a kind of interdependence that resembles a symbiotic relationship rather than a parasitic one. This balance is achieved through communication, setting boundaries, regular check-ins, and an understanding that the power exchange is a part of the relationship and not the entirety of it. The distinction between a healthy power exchange relationship and a codependent one is often very nuanced, as I mentioned before. One relationship that seems from the outside to employ the very same physical tactics and physical scenes as a codependent one may be completely healthy because the pre-negotiation of the emotional and physical risks have been laid out clearly and with risk awareness and personal responsibility in mind. It is also influenced by individual personalities, backgrounds, and interpretations of DS roles. As such, understanding codependency and power exchange dynamics requires constant vigilance. Okay, that was like a Harry Potter joke, sorry. (laughs) Self-awareness and open dialogue between partners, as well as the availing oneself of support networks or even professional help if needed. And uh, as I would remind everyone here, there are several lists of kink-aware professionals, kink-aware therapists all over FetLife. So I guess I'll leave you with this. While power exchange dynamics, authority transfer dynamics can bring about incredibly fulfilling relationships and personal growth for those involved, me included, the inherent imbalance of power can also lead to issues like codependency and it is so important to me that we don't find ourselves falling into that trap. We need to remember who we are on both sides of the slash and remember to take care of ourselves and be able to create independent identities and independent contentment and independent systems for contentment. So it is therefore essential for those involved in these dynamics to remain mindful and proactive in managing their relationship health, their personal health, ensuring that their power exchange serves to enhance rather than diminish their sense of self and well-being. So the last thing I'll probably say about this is that healthy and grounded partners are unlikely to try and change their partner's personality or the characteristics of their identity or autonomy and vice versa. And 
just as a reminder, this is not in any way a witch hunt or denigration of people who are in toxic and or codependent relationships. People remaining in codependent relationships, it's like people remaining in abusive cycles of domestic violence. It's easy to place blame on someone and say, oh, hey, she or he could leave at any time, but chooses not to. But these behaviors are in a lot of ways meant and designed by the abusers and by the toxic partners to be incredibly difficult to break away from. And if you yourself are the codependent person in a relationship, I'm not calling you an abuser, unless you are. What I'm saying is that codependency can lead to to some very toxic cycles in relationships and should be avoided. But there is no need to place blame as many codependent people Unlike others, are self-aware. Those who experience codependency are often fully aware of the problem. So for this reason, codependency should be met with compassion and not judgment. As I said at the beginning of all this, Codependency is a learned behavior. This means that it is, in fact, possible to unlearn codependency through counseling, mindfulness mindfulness exercises, learning how to set healthy boundaries, building one's self-esteem, and other things. I, for instance, have a learned secure attachment. I used to have a disorganized attachment style which did include some codependency due to my upbringing and due to my abuse and neglect background but the good news is that we can choose to recognize our behavioral patterns and respond in positive ways but we meaning all of us not just codependent people and not just non-codependent people we as partners to others need to both commit to putting our own needs first and to all my codependents out there I'm sorry I know that probably hurt for you to hear but it is important that we commit to putting our needs first so our usual sign off is get fucked but due to the nature of this particular episode um Make love to yourself today, tomorrow, when you're allowed. (laughs) Make love to yourself. Ciao.